This is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Mainers may have a chance in November to vote on a bond issue that would authorize $15 million to build housing for homeless people in the state. The plan is to expand a housing-first model that has proven successful in Portland to other parts of the state. Just as it sounds, Housing First focuses on getting people into housing first and then addressing other issues if needed. While other housing options may have requirements like sobriety or regular income prior to moving in, the Housing First model operates with the belief that people will be better able to attend to those needs once they are housed. The model also focuses on housing people who have spent the most time in shelters, sometimes called chronically homeless. Representative Michael Brennan of Portland, who is also a former mayor of the city and an adjunct professor of social work, is the sponsor of the proposal. I have been involved in Portland uh, for a number of years, uh, dating back to the 1980s, uh, working on homeless issues. And certainly while I was mayor of Portland, uh, we tried to take some steps forward to address uh, chronic homelessness within the city. And what we found is that not only in Portland, but a national model of Housing First has been very successful in assisting people that have been chronically homeless. So the bond issue, the intent of the bond issue would be to allow us to take that model of Housing First and not only do another program in Portland, but in other parts of the state. We'd be looking at uh, those regions where there is uh, a concentration of people that have experienced uh, homelessness for a period of time. I think there have been other bond issues that have tried to address affordable housing issues as well as homelessness. The thing that's unique about this is we have a very specific program, again, called Housing First, uh, based on a national model, based on what we've done in Portland and and in other parts of the state uh, that we think can be replicated, that we know works and that uh, we think that if, if we can get this bond issue passed and the pr- money provided for the support services, that we'll take a significant step in the state of ending homelessness. Representative Brennan introduced the bill January 22nd at a public hearing before the legislature's Appropriations and Financial Affairs Committee. So I'm very pleased uh, uh, to pre- present uh, LD48, um, an act to authorize bond issues to invest, uh, to assist persons who are homeless. And this bond issue is for $15 million. In 1984, 1984, there was a study done in Portland, and it identified 54, 54 emergency shelter beds in Portland. Three years later, in 1987, there was another study that was done. There were 270 emergency shelter beds in Portland in the space of three years, an increase from 54 to 270. And as a state and a city, we've never caught up. And in fact, tonight, if you go to Portland, there will be between four and 500 people in the city of Portland that will be living in temporary situations. That includes emergency shelters, domestic violence shelters, youth shelters, and um, other arrangements, four to 500 people. And that's a number that runs pretty consistently every night. The tragedy, the tragedy for that four to 500 people is that it's not necessary. We've now learned in the state and we've learned in the country after years of trying, years of experimentation, 
We now have a model. We now have an approach. We now have a program that works. And in Portland, we have three housing first programs, Logan House, Florence House, and Houston House. And they're, what call, they're called site-based um, housing first projects. And they include units, rental apartment units, but equally important, if not more important, they include 24-hour staffing and support services. What this bill would do is allow for additional housing first programs, the bricks and mortar side, to be constructed not only in Portland, but what I really, really want is to have this model extend to Bangor, to Lewiston Auburn, to Bedford Saco, to other parts of the state. Because the only way that we're going to solve or make any progress with our homeless problem in Portland is by providing housing first programs in other parts of the state. People have a right and they should be able to live in their community. They should not have to go to Portland, Bangor, Brunswick, or other parts of the state to find temporary shelter. It doesn't mean that this housing first model that we have in Portland has to be exactly replicated in other parts of the state. And in fact, there will be other people here to testify how they have similar type programs, hybrid programs, modified versions of it on a smaller scale in other parts of the state. But the important thing, the important aspect is having the support program in order to make this work. And I have another bill that is coming. I don't think it will be coming here. It will probably go to Health and Human Services Committee to uh, instruct the state to apply for a Medicaid waiver which will allow a substantial portion of the support services to be funded through Medicaid. I also, and I hope you find this idea and this funding even more compelling, is a bill for a million dollars to ask the state to reestablish the THAP program, the Housing Assistance Program. And it's a program that we had in the 1990s, and it was used to prevent persons from becoming homeless. It allowed community action agencies across the state to step in, and if somebody was at risk of being evicted or losing their home, they would be able to pay in a way to allow for that person to stay in their living situation. Now, I don't have the numbers for the state of Maine, but when this program was enacted in New Jersey in the 1990s, 80% of the people that received assistance were in their housing a year later. That's a remarkable achievement that we can identify people who are on the risk of becoming homeless and have a program and have a response to allow them to stay there. So what I'm asking, the challenge that I'm asking from this committee, the challenge that I'm putting before in the opportunity of this legislature is that we have the opportunity to end homelessness in this state as we know it. And if we take the steps this session to provide bond money and support services for Housing First, we get the Medicaid waiver, we put into effect a prevention program, we have taken the steps to have a vision that in five years, the way that we understand and see homelessness in the state will be radically different. And again, as I pointed out, we have struggled since the early 1980s 
to address homelessness in the state of Maine and in the country. Now, many of you have served on other committees. Many of you have had all kinds of social programs that have presented, been presented to you from mental health, from health care, from substance use. And we always say these are problems that we may not be able to solve, but we can manage better. We have the opportunity today, and this legislature has the opportunity to solve the problem of homelessness in the state of Maine. So thank you very much for your time. And I am more than happy to work with you as we move forward with the bond package. And I hope um, that we will be able this session, this legislature, to look at a way to prevent homelessness, look for a way to give people a permanent pathway out of homelessness, and to provide the support services to allow them to live in the community as productive citizens. So thank you very much, and I'm more than happy uh, to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you, Representative Brennan. Senator Breeden. Any questions for the representative on this bond bill? Representative Gatine. Thank you. Um, thank you, Representative. I guess um, whether you can answer it or someone coming behind you or prior to the time that we worked this bill, I'm, I'm curious to know $15 million in, in bond money, how many units does that create? How many people does that ultimately serve? I don't know if the, the Portland Housing First programs are a good model for that, but you know, if we're talking about bending the curve here and this being an important piece of that, it'd be good to know what $15 million actually buys us. Well, I, I'm, um, I'm gonna take a big swing at this and I might miss, so you can ask somebody uh, behind me. But the, the, the answer is it depends. Um, and other housing first programs. That's a big swing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and other housing programs that we've done in Portland, obviously we've combined tax credit money, other money from Maine State Housing Authority, other local money, other foundations, and whatever. Um, and, and so somebody might be able to tell you, I don't know what the actual bricks and mortar cost is. The service piece runs about seven hundred to $800,000 a year. Um, and, and again, somebody else might be able to tell you what the bricks and mortar. But there's also another uh, uh, a hybrid model of Housing First that may look at taking four or five uh, apartment units re and renovating those um, at a significantly less cost than the program that we have in Portland. So um, again, I don't, I don't know, the the, I guess the short answer is I don't know, but I'm confident that with this money, we would be able to uh, couple it with uh, other resources available with Maine State Housing and local uh, uh, dollars, as well as charitable dollars and foundation money uh, to leverage this amount from the state uh, considerably. Uh, but again, uh, uh, the important thing is for us to be able to look at how we can scale this across the state um, in a way that um, doesn't necessitate having the same scale of a size that we have in Portland, but we'd be able to do something in uh, other parts of uh, the state that would be uh, equally compelling. No one spoke in opposition to the homelessness bond proposal at the public hearing in January, but many people did speak in support. Here is what some of them had to say. Good afternoon, Senator Breen, Representative Katine, and members of the Committee on Appropriations and Financial Affairs. My name is Cullen Ryan. I serve as the acting chair of the Statewide Homeless Council for Maine. 
I'm also the executive director of Community Housing in Maine. We're the largest housing provider for homeless populations. And we have 12 staff and 48 uh, different service provider partners. So we actually don't want to be the largest. It's just that we need other people to step up to the plate to create housing for homeless populations. And so that's why I support LD48, which authorizes $15 million to invest in the creation of this type of housing. I tell you that throughout state fiscal year 2018, 6,454 people experienced homelessness. And of this group, 84 of these folks were long-term stayers, or people who have experienced 188 days or more of homelessness in that 12-month period of time. And that there's an extraordinary unmet demand for affordable quality housing in Maine. In the past few years, resources have only allowed for approximately 200 to 250 units to come online. And that housing is spread across all populations, working families and seniors. Affordable housing frequently excludes homeless populations due to screening and selection processes. Only a small fraction has been targeted towards serving homeless populations. Without creating solutions at a more significant scale, we, don't, we, we won't make a real difference in ending homelessness in Maine, and that's what this bond seeks to do. I want to just take a moment and tell you that it's extremely important whom within the homeless populations is housing targets. With the 6,000 people, this is not going to reach everyone. Housing someone who is homeless for a day or even a few weeks will help, but modestly. Circumstantially homeless populations generally do not require dedicated supportive housing. In contrast, housing people experiencing homelessness for the longest period of time will make the most significant difference in emptying out shelters and getting people off of our streets. Long-term stairs use nights, uh, bed nights, uh, night after night, making them unavailable for the majority of people who are circumstantially and briefly homeless. So please consider specifying long-term stayers should this bond be successful. And also please consider specifying that the housing developed in this bond be focused on homeless populations in need of supportive housing. And that's what uh, Representative Brennan was talking about, housing that's enriched with support services so folks can be successful. And that's the group that could most benefit from this bond. And it's a small percentage of people experiencing homelessness. And I can speak to the leveraging and how many how many uh, uh, units this would cover afterwards, if you'd like. If it's done right, this bond could dramatically help Maine end homelessness by housing the few hundred people who need it most. There are multiple successful best practice models for housing homeless populations requiring supportive housing. The most commonly utilized in Maine with the most success are site-based housing first models, and that's what Representative Brennan talked about, such as Logan Place Florence House and Houston Commons in Portland. And these are dedicated buildings with project-based rental subsidies and 24-7 support services with low barrier to entry. This model has provided permanent stability for people experiencing chronic homelessness with high vulnerabilities. Next is scattered site housing first models. And there's actually some legislation that uh, Representative Brennan talked about. Uh, one is the support services, and you need basically support services and rental subsidies to make it work. The other bill that he did not mention is Representative Farnsworth has a bill in to, to create rental subsidies targeting the longest stayers in homelessness. Those two things in combination will allow us to do more scattered site housing first placements, and we've housed uh, 215 long-term stairs in Portland over the last three and a half years with a 90, just under 94% success rate, keeping them housed in the community. And next is dedicated transitional and permanent supportive housing with low barrier access. 
And these are generally smaller multifamily projects scattered around service center communities across the state. They tend to blend in. They're, uh, it's typical of housing that's in a location like Waterville or Bangor. And they specifically house homeless populations and provide dedicated support services for their success. And finally is inclusive housing, where multifamily affordable housing welcomes homeless populations into a percentage of units. And outreach support makes this supportive housing. There's not very much of that, and there should be more. We need sufficient supplies of all of these best practice models, and I would encourage this bond to invest in all forms of housing, but specifically focusing and targeting people homeless from longest to shortest lengths of time, as the Statewide Homeless Council prescribes. Allowing flexibility in the housing design will be important for this work to work well all over the state. And thank you for the opportunity to comment. Good afternoon, Senator Breen, Representative Gatin, and members of the Appropriations and Financial Affairs Committee. My name is Benjamin Martineau. I'm an advocate for Homeless Voices for Justice, a grassroots group who works for positive systemic change with and on behalf of persons who are homeless. I am here in support of LD48, an act to authorize a general fund bond issue to invest in housing for persons who are homeless. HBJ is led by people like me who have all experienced homelessness. You are no longer an individual when you're homeless. You've become a number. Too many people fall through the cracks and can't receive the help they need. If you're not sleeping outside, you're crowding into the shelter where you feel like an animal in a stockyard. There are lines for everything, waiting 15 minutes for the bathroom, having to ask for everything you possibly need. You end up not feeling like an adult, but an eight-year-old child, like your maturity and independence is taken away from you. With the assistance that's available, which is in short supply, you have to do work on your part to get what you need. I had to navigate a complex system to try to get the mental and physical health care that I needed, making phone calls, going to appointments, and taking initiative on my own so my caseworker could help others in even more serious cases. But everything takes more time and more energy when you're homeless, which makes it hard for you to take care of your basic survival needs. Homelessness is a stigma, plain and simple. Homelessness impedes efforts to get housing, a job, be recognized as a positive part of society. Last month, an average of 537 individuals resided in shelters throughout Portland each night. In the middle of the month on December 18th, 574 individuals were served by shelters in Portland. 12 adolescents and 66 families on average were served each night. Let that sink in. We're all talking about families with children sleeping on mats and cots. I remember the 72 mats compressed together 16 inches apart in the day room at the Preble Resource Center. It was tight and compact, you boxed in, but only enough room for a small backpack. I think everyone's had that boxed in feeling sometime in their life. But with the shelter, with the being homeless, it's a daily indignity. When I had housing again, I was able to find relief after five months of living on a knife's edge. With housing, I felt grounded and stable. From that foundation, I had more self-confidence in my decision-making. I could work to better myself in mind, body, and spirit. The results coming to fruition felt like accomplishments, no longer like pipe dreams. It felt good to pay rent, get groceries, think straight, stay organized. LD48 can make available the funds necessary to address a part of the affordable housing crisis in Maine. When you're homeless, the first thing that comes to mind, 24-7, is getting a place. Everything else is second. Having a home is the first and f most fundamental factor for being successful afterwards. 
Thank you, for me, thank you for hearing from me and giving me your time. I hope you consider this important legislation and vote in support of LD48 for the opportunities it could open up for Mainers who are homeless. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. This is testimony at a recent legislative public hearing on a proposed $15 million bond issue to build housing for homeless people across the state. Part of the plan would be to use a model called Housing First, which has been successful and cost-effective in Portland. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Senator. And... I'm going to have to uh, bypass a couple of these uh, words because I have uh, trouble uh, reading. Uh, you're going to have to uh, forgive me on that. Uh, the members of the committee and the finances affairs. I'm currently John Chick. I have been living in uh, Logan Place for the last uh, nine years. It will be nine years in February. Uh, before that, I was on the streets for uh, approximately about 25 years. Uh, since moving in, I've uh, managed to pay off the uh, core costs down in uh, Virginia. Uh, there's a friend in Stanich I've been going fishing with uh, since I'm uh, attending church. Uh, I think the Logan Place, the Florence House, and uh uh, Houston Commons, uh, a great place. Uh, I'm one of the reasons why I'm up here today. Uh, I've also been doing uh, community uh, meals there ever since I uh, moved in. I've uh, also been doing uh, community meals over at the Florence House as well. Uh, that's been uh, every month uh, since, I don't know, seven years. Uh, had a lot of fun uh, doing it. Uh, as long as that place is there, I'll probably uh, continue, uh, continue to do it probably a lifetime. Uh, since being there also, I uh, managed to uh, register as the uh, registrar voted. Uh, that was uh, almost seven years ago. If you asked me that uh, ten years ago, I probably would have said no. But uh, that's uh, one of the changes I made. Since then, uh, going in, uh, yeah, actually, it does matter uh, to go out and vote. I just uh, sit there and uh, choose, uh, try, try, try to choose the right ones, but uh, sometimes that's out of the nut. <laughs> uh, I just want to say thank you uh, for the time of uh, speaking. Uh, if there's any uh, questions, I'll uh, more than be happy to uh, take them. Thank you, Mr. Chick. I Thank you. I appreciate you coming and sharing some of your personal story with us. Thank you. Any questions for Mr. Chick? All right. Well, that was easy enough. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Anyone else here to speak in favor of LD48? Good afternoon, Senator Breen, Representative Katine, and members of the Committee on Appropriations and Financial Affairs. My name is Norman Mays, and I am the Deputy Director of Shalom House. We are a nonprofit agency that provides housing and services to adults living with, with severe and persistent mental illness. 
I am here today to express our agency's support for LD48, an act to authorize a general fund bond issue to invest in housing for persons who are homeless. Housing is what makes homeless persons, housing is what homeless persons need first to get their lives back on track and to get the services they need in place to live healthy, fulfilling lives. As various studies on the cost of homelessness have shown, the investment we make in housing homeless persons not only saves scarce public tax dollars, it also gives such individuals and families the footing which lead to those healthy, fulfilling lives. In Portland, as Colin Ryan mentioned, we have made great strides in housing the long-term homeless and in keeping them housed with a combination of rental vouchers and wraparound services. Such services and vouchers are limited and need to be expanded to adequately support homeless persons so they can afford housing, not just in Portland, but across the state. However, without affordable housing and more of it, many cannot find a place to call home. The housing for persons who are homeless that would be built with this bond will provide great and lasting benefit. The services to which I refer have become extremely more limited over the past eight years, having been constrained by narrowly redefined eligibility criteria, which now prevent many who had previously qualified for such services from receiving such, supportive, such support. We are pleased to see bills introduced this session to expand eligibility to reach more of those who previously qualified for these services. This includes those living with a severe and persistent mental illness or substance use disorder, persons who are disproportionately affected by homelessness and the hardships it places upon their lives. We are also hopeful to see more funding be made available for emergency homeless shelters to provide services to those who do not qualify for other forms of support and to allow their staff to provide assistance to such persons once housed to ensure their success. In addition, since most persons who are homeless lack the means to pay high rents and associated housing costs, these individuals and families need rental vouchers to afford any housing, new or existing. We are pleased to see bills introduced this session to provide rental subsidies to those experiencing long-term homelessness and the substance use disorders, and we're looking forward to those being enacted and funded. Finally, on this same topic, expanding the number of available bridging rental assistance program vouchers for recipients of mental health services beyond those already housed with these vouchers will permit even more such recipients to lead stable and fulfilling lives. With this bill and others, Shalom House is encouraged to, to see hope for a brighter tomorrow for all individuals and families living in homelessness and believe that these bills will go a long way to making that a reality. Thank you for this opportunity to speak today. Thank you, Mr. Mays. Yes. Thank Any you. Uh, questions for Mr. Mays? Okay, thank, thank you, you so much. Good afternoon, Senator Breen, Representative Gatine, and members of the Committee on Appropriations and Financial Affairs. My name is Suzanne Randall, and I'm here in support of LD48, an act to authorize a general fund bond issue to invest in housing for persons who are homeless. I'm a resident at Florence House, um, and I support Housing First programs. 
because I have personally experienced and seen the opportunities provided by Housing First. Um, through living at Florence House, I was given a chance to get my life back and to see the other women around me feel pride in having a home. I support building more Housing First projects in Maine so that everyone has an opportunity to have a home and a decent quality of life. Before moving into Florence House, I was homeless for a year. It was a terrifying year. When I stayed in the shelter, I felt like I was nobody, nothing. It's almost like you have no identity when you're staying at a shelter. People immediately begin to cast judgment. There is a label, an unsavory impression attached to you. For the first few months that I was in the shelter, I continued to work as a personal care assistant, but I could not let any of my clients know about my homelessness. The stigma surrounding my experience of homelessness is what ultimately contributed to my further downward spiral into crisis. I had no money and no resources to get back up on my feet. I still remember when Preble Street staff told me that in an apartment at Floyd's house, a staff member walked me upstairs and brought me to my apartment. I couldn't believe that this was turning out for me. It was like seeing the stars come out in the night sky again. I hadn't looked at that sky in forever. Having a place to call home gave me the safety and stability that I needed to regain my health and well-being. I successfully completed breast cancer treatment and underwent a knee replacement. If I had stayed in a shelter, I would not have had the opportunity to have a safe and strong recovery. Getting my apartment at Florence House also gave me a sense of dignity. Thank you. I found my self-esteem because I felt like a woman who would be able to contribute something back to society because it had helped me. I feel extremely fortunate and want to find a way to help others. That's why I'm here today, asking you all to support this bill and provide more people across Maine with the same opportunity to have a place to call home. The problem of homelessness touches people from all walks of life. Homelessness is an experience, but it does not define the person. The first step is recognizing people's humanity, is ensuring that their basic needs are met. LD48 provides us an opportunity to ensure that no one in Maine has to experience the indignity of homelessness. Thank you for your time. I'd be happy to answer any questions anyone might have. Thank you, Ms. Randall, for sharing some of your personal story with us. I appreciate it. Are there folks here on the committee who would like to ask some questions of Ms. Randall? Okay. Thank, Thank you, for, you coming. for your time. My name is Mark. <clears throat> I'll leave my last name out because you won't be able to pronounce it. Um, <clears throat> it's funny because I promised myself I'd never get near politics, but yet here I am. I wonder why that is. <clears throat> um, I live at Logan Place. Um, I'm, I am so glad I lived there. I love where I live. And I love the people who help me out. Um, the staff there is excellent. Uh, I've learned so much uh, about myself. Um, I, I enjoy taking care of the building. Um, I have a cat. Um, I, I would have never had this stuff if I hadn't had people pushing me forward. Um, 
I've been at Logan Place for six years. Um, I have a cat. His name's Jack. Um, <coughs> um, I was on the streets for four years, and um, I saw what people went through. Um, it was bad for their souls. And um, I, saw, I saw it do terrible things to people who have... Um, you have to be really strong to be out in those streets, or it'll just eat you right up. Um, I, I didn't go out with a plan. I just decided one day I was going to be homeless. Don't ask me why. Um, but here I am. I, um, I have a lot of good people still back me. I've, um, I got, since I've been in Logan Place, I've been diagnosed with bipolar. Glad I didn't have it when I was out there. Um, this is this is real, like really a really good thing to be doing, making this making these places, because you don't want to have all these people on the streets year after year after year. It's it's pretty ugly, um, and that's it. Thank you, Mr. R, for coming and sharing part of your story with us. You're welcome. And it's wait one moment. Are there any questions for oh, Mr. R? Before he steps away. Okie doke. Thank you. Good afternoon, Senator Breen, Representative Katine, and uh, members of the Committee on Appropriations and Financial Affairs. My name is David McLean. I am the administrator of the Social Services Division for the City of Portland. I'm here to support LD48, an act to authorize a general fund bond issue to invest in housing for persons who are homeless. Our division oversees the largest low-barrier single adult emergency shelter in New England. Uh, this is the Oxford Street Shelter, the largest family shelter, uh, the City of Portland Family Shelter, as well as the General Assistance Program and other support services. In 2019, the housing navigators at the Oxford Street Shelter and the Family Shelter secured 240 individual adult and 165 housing placements, respectively. These are to the credit of our incredibly talented shelter housing services staff at our shelters. As each person and family experiencing homelessness in Maine faces barriers to end their homelessness, some of the greatest barriers are the ones familiar to many Mainers. There are not enough housing, and the rent is too high for what units are available. I am here today to support the issuance of a bond to fund the State of Maine's endeavor to create housing that ends the homelessness of people across the state who are experiencing this constant state of emergency. The largest emergency shelter programs in the state are only sustained through the housing services doing their best to support shelter operations. We operate over our bed capacity every single night, using overflows uh, every single night as well. When more people seek shelter due to the hazardous weather conditions, like Monday's extreme cold, we can only offer them a warm, safe place from the elements and a mat to sleep on because guests who have been staying with us have left, freeing space for them to rest overnight. The housing first approach is the best practice where the issues that occur and inform someone's homelessness are much more successful 
successfully treated and managed after a person is housed. Housing first. A home to move into needs to be available and attainable. The funding and demographic designation in this measure pave the way for more housing stock without the barriers that block people from exiting emergency shelter needs. For housing first to work, there needs to be housing. Thank you for your consideration, and I'd be glad to answer any questions. Thank you, Mr. McLean. Any questions for Mr. McLean from the committee? Representative Gatine. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McLean. This isn't necessarily for you, but maybe some you or some of the other folks could get this information from us. I'd, I'd still be interested to know, looking at the $15 million budget for this bond, you know, what, what the range of number of units that would be that we would talk about providing. And I think it would be helpful because there have been a number of questions from the committee about um, the way the services wrap around the, you know, the brick and mortar. And, and it would be helpful maybe to see I know there's some open questions, you know, about, you know, where some of the funding sources might be, but to get an understanding with respect to the existing projects, what those operating budgets look like and where the money's currently coming from and, and you know, okay. not just that, the, the brick and mortar costs, but also the cost of the supports. Yeah, that might be a little out of my wheelhouse, but I'm sure yeah. I think, I think people in the crowd. Other people are hearing the question, too. Right, right. So, you're just uh, a vessel. Okay. <laughs> I do want to say that um, uh, right now the, the method that we use to support the funding for our current shelter activities are really based on our ability to uh, find housing for our, our guests. And that is the challenging part. If there were more housing units available, we absolutely could move or individuals to uh, those units. Um, but that, that is the problem, especially I can, I can speak especially for Portland. Um, as you know, the rents there are just uh, almost completely unattainable uh, that would fit within the guidelines of the voucher programs and general assistance programs. So we're often looking um, outside of Portland. And that often doesn't uh, sit well with some of the municipalities that we are able to find sustainable uh, uh, housing in with rents, rent amounts uh, low enough that fit within those uh, guidelines. Um, so anything that would increase that housing stock throughout the state would be uh, exceptionally uh, important. Any other questions for Mr. McLean? <coughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else here in favor of LD48? Senator Breen, Representative Gatine. My name is Peter Merrill. I'm Deputy Director of the Maine State Housing Authority. Maine State Housing Authority was created 50 years ago by the legislature and the governor to take advantage of federal programs to uh, encourage uh, home ownership and to create affordable housing. Uh, over the years, uh, the state has asked us to handle a number of other uh, programs as well. That's the once every two year boilerplate. Um, uh, I don't have. I don't want to prolong this. Um, uh, you've heard Housing First works, um, but I couldn't let Representative Gatine hang out there. Um, uh, we we would estimate 225 to 250 units based on uh, using the 4% low-income housing tax credit model, which is what um, is being used in the housing bond as well, current housing bond. So. Uh, I guess that's it. And I, I had also made a note earlier to uh, come up with a pro forma for you so that you can actually see how these these three, um, well, two out of the three uh, work. Well, one of them is pretty unique, but the other two work. Thank you very much. 
Any other questions for Mr. Merrill? Representative Keschel. Couldn't, couldn't resist. No, I couldn't because I'm trying. What, what was the number of housing units you said that could, that 15 million could provide? Estimate a wild swing, swing. Uh, 225 to 250. Okay, so the 84, I, 225, 250 minus 84. Yes. Okay, that was what I was headed. Thank you. Happy to help. This is Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. We've been listening to some of the testimony at a recent legislative public hearing on a proposed $15 million bond to build housing to address homelessness in Maine. About that last piece of testimony we just heard, I wasn't sure what that exchange about 250 units minus 84 meant. So I contacted Peter Merrill, the Deputy Director of Maine State Housing, for a clarification. He's the one who had that exchange with one of the committee members that was the last bit of testimony that we just heard. He explained that the 84 refers to the approximately 84 people who've been identified uh, by someone who testified prior to him as long-term stayers in shelters across the state. And what he was saying was that the amount of units that this bond could potentially fund construction of was 250, and so there would be additional units left over to house others even after and if all 84 of those people were housed. The Housing First model has a track record of success in Portland, where it has been used for several years. Donna Yellen is the deputy director of Preble Street, the agency that oversees the programs there. She has worked with people experiencing homelessness for 24 years, and she testified in support of the bond proposal. We caught up with her later. Housing First is a proven model that successfully reduces homelessness. We know that at Preble Street. Preble Street operates the only three Housing First site-based programs in Maine, and we provide 85 units of supported affordable housing to people who previously had been chronically homeless, many for years. These apartments that we run were built by Vesta Housing, Preble Street runs the Housing First programs in them, and the subsidies, the rental subsidies, are provided by Portland Housing Authority. So it's an incredibly successful public-private partnership. When Preble Street um, opened our first housing first program in Maine 14 years ago, it directly caused the greatest immediate decrease in homelessness in the state of Maine since this data had been tracked. 30 of our state's most chronically homeless people moved in, and the numbers recording homelessness dropped, and they dropped significantly and stayed low until the recession hit about four years later. So Logan Place, that one project with only 30 apartments, caused a 10% drop in homelessness for the city of Portland, and that would make a 5% drop for the entire state. And so we think about that impact. One 30-unit Housing First Department building and homelessness dropped by 5% for the entire state of Maine. That's quite an impact. In addition, Amy, besides shelter numbers dropping, you know, Housing First is also an evidence-based practice, you know, that saves the community money. The cost to the community for chronically homeless people is so significant that this intervention of Housing First has tremendous economic advantages. Housing First, you know, they target people, the Housing First targets people who are homeless the longest and have severe mental health and severe substance use disorders, and it does exactly what it says. It provides housing first. 
So there's a range of supportive housing through the state of Maine, and there's many, many great programs. But um, traditional um, supportive housing requires compliance with either mental health treatment or it requires sobriety or it requires a person to have some income. Housing First takes the hardest to house people and gives them a safe, supported uh, apartment to live in. So Preble Street, you know, this with this site-based model has includes 24-hour staffing uh, with people who are specifically trained in supporting tenants and keeping their tenancy and independent living successful. And that's where we see the results are nothing short of miraculous. The housing bond would help construct new units around the state, and then a Medicaid waiver, which is a Medicaid program to pay for helping people stay in the community rather than being in long-term institutional kinds of settings, would help pay for some of the uh, programming. Yes, that's another going to be another bill coming up, correct. And then Section 8 housing also kicks in, just like yeah. it would for a regular apartment, except these apartments are customized. So you have the housing uh, piece that is paid for by that. Correct. So with those uh, different elements in place, how does this compare in terms of how much it costs to house someone versus what it would cost for them to stay at a shelter? Preble Street conducted a cost study analysis uh, comparing the uh, the savings uh, for for on 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 people who have like moved into Logan Place and did uh, and did a study uh, two years later and then another study seven years after that and all the cost to the community went down significantly when when it came to uh, police interactions when it came to ambulance calls med queue the shelter costs. The only, the only thing that increased, interestingly, in this, in this uh, cost study um, analysis was outpatient mental health treatment. And so even the mental health dollars significantly decreased because previous to housing in this uh, Housing First model, people had often used crisis emergency services and crisis mental health services. And then after they were housed and they started to work with the caseworkers, that um, were at the Housing First um, apartments, then they started to consider, maybe I will go for some outpatient mental health treatment, and maybe I will um, consider medication or consider decreasing the amount of substances I'm using. And all those factors then uh, result in uh, increased health and well-being for the people, and it, it resulted in decreased costs. Actually, it's interesting, um, Amy, death is the single biggest cause of turnover in our Housing First projects. You know, people don't realize that homelessness is literally life-threatening and that people who experience chronic homelessness die on average 25 years earlier than people in the United States who are housed. And, you know, we see that often at Purple Street. So we're particularly grateful for this opportunity to create more Housing First units to make sure that people are living, you know, with the respect and dignity that they deserve in their own place. Are people staying put once they get into the Housing First units? Is that something that people tend to uh, stabilize and then remain there? Yes, for the most part. It's their permanent housing, so those housing subsidies are are permanent, and what they have to do is to be a, a good tenant, and they have to abide by tenancy laws that are, you know, equal 
you know, across the board in, in our state. And uh, when and they have again the the 24-hour staffing is key to making these these uh, this housing first successful. And so as people uh, begin to uh, to trust their the staff that they're working with to become acclimated to to what as they say living inside their 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 mental health and uh, physical health um, usually improves and then they and they and they um, and they continue often continue to live there some people do move on they actually uh, get to a place where they uh, are in that where they're doing well enough, and they decide that they want to live closer to family. That has happened uh, occasionally, and other people get to the point where they realize they don't need the 24-hour support, and so then they'll they'll move to another apartment elsewhere. Um, but sadly, the greatest cause of people leaving our housing first units is when they pass away. Housing first changes lives, it saves lives, and it's what people deserve. When Housing First came, uh, I got to, uh, people moved into these apartments that I've known that had lived on the street for for years and years and years, and then they moved in, and I got to visit them at their home. You know, at home, like, where I visit my family, my friends, and my neighbors, like, where you visit yours, you know, we in Maine value homes and agree that everyone should have one, and that's what Housing First does for people who have been homeless the longest. Donna Yellen provided a cost analysis summary of a study that was done in 2007 on Logan Place, one of their programs that uses the Housing First model. The Logan Place results cited here are part of a larger study that was conducted by the Maine State Housing Authority uh, with funding assistance from the Corporation for Supportive Housing and the Maine Department of Health and Human Services. And this was done to examine the costs of serving homeless people before and after their entry into Logan Place. Logan Place is a housing first model that does not require people to be in recovery from mental illness or substance use issues at the time they move in. They have services needed to help them remain in housing provided as part of the housing program with staff on site uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The target population for Logan Place is chronically homeless adults with mental health, substance use, or dual diagnosis issues, and many also have serious physical health issues due to long-term homelessness. What they found was that there was an average savings of $972 per participant during the year following entry into Logan Place. A virtual elimination in the use of emergency shelter beds usage declined from more than 5,000 to 140 bed nights, a 97% decrease, and also a 95% cost reduction, totaling over $162,000. They also found a reduction of 35% in the total cost of mental health care used by tenants, despite a 93% increase in contacts with mental health professionals. This, along with a 70% reduction in physical health care costs, demonstrates a shift away from high-cost emergency and inpatient hospitalization services to outpatient services that people were able to access once they had stabilized in their own housing. 
They also found that greater stability resulted in an 88% decrease in jail nights by Logan Place tenants, down from 176 to 21, as well as 81% fewer police contacts, saving law enforcement just over $24,000 a year. In terms of health care, they found that costs were reduced 70% from $274,000 per year down to $83,000 per year. Mental health costs decreased 35%, although there were a greatly increased amount of contacts because outpatient services are less expensive than going to the emergency room or uh, inpatient hospitalizations that result from being in acute crisis. Ambulance use costs were reduced by 71%. Emergency room visits were reduced by 74%. In addition, preliminary results of the study that were reported, this is in February 2007, also indicated an 88% decrease in jail time, 81% decrease in police contacts, a 61% decrease in detoxification programs, and a 99% decrease in emergency shelter usage. And checking back in with Representative Michael Brennan, the sponsor of the proposed $15 million bond to build housing units to address homelessness in Maine. As a representative of Portland, a former mayor of Portland and also a social worker, he agrees that the Housing First model not only reduces homelessness, but is also cost effective. Well, that's exactly what we found in Portland, is that Logan Place, Florence House, and uh, Houston House that we've dramatically reduced uh, police calls and dramatically reduced uh, reliance on emergency room uh, interventions. So uh, it it, it truly has had cost reductions in other areas. The next step for LD48 will be the Appropriation and Financial Affairs Committee's work session in which they will vote on whether or not to recommend that the proposal proceeds through the legislative process. Representative Brennan says there is still time for the public to weigh in. Absolutely, yes. That would be very helpful. Their work session has not been scheduled yet, and I don't expect it to be scheduled for several months. And assuming that the committee will wait until the governor uh, presents a bond package and until they hear all have all the public hearings on uh, bonds that are being proposed. I, I think this is a very important uh, time for the state, and this is a very important issue, and that we now have a program, we now have uh, a plan. And we now have a way uh, to end homelessness in the state. You can learn more about LD48, an act to authorize a general fund bond issued to invest in housing for persons who are homeless, and track its progress at legislature.maine.gov. And shifting gears now, coming up next month on Maine Currents, which as always will be the first Thursday of the month at 10 o'clock in the morning. Next month, we'll be doing a live show with a calling component, talking with folks from Maine All Care, and also uh, hopefully with people who are working on universal health care on a national level. And we'd love to hear from local folks with stories about having to deal with either lack of health insurance or paying for premiums that are just unaffordable or deductibles that make it almost impossible to get health care. If you have stories about how you've been dealing with or trying to deal with the health care insurance system as it is currently set up that you'd like to share, please email me at news at weru.org and we can set up a time for you to possibly either call in live on the live show or possibly tape an interview ahead of time. Again, it's news at weru.org. 
and that would be for the next edition of Maine Currents, which would air on the first Thursday in March. And you've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Like I said, you can catch us here on the first Thursday of every month, 10 to 11 o'clock, and email us at news at weru.org. You can also catch our archived programs if you missed one of our shows and would like to go back and check it out. Go to weru.org. You can download it or listen online there. We've got On the Wing coming up next with Mark Dyer, so stick around. A whole day of great music programming and then the public affairs and news block again at 4 to 6 o'clock. And then music through the evening here on your community radio station, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org.